continue to be in our current series, The Organic Kingdom, Stories from the Renewed Life. And I'm going through in this month uh, parables of around agriculture, around growth, around farming that Jesus told. And we're trying to lean from that um, something about renewal, something about the kingdom of heaven and life in the kingdom. But uh, it's spring, and uh, the other day, maybe a week ago, I finally went out to our backyard. A lot of emphasis is in our front yard because our house is, our house is set away from um, the street, and so most of our plot, our home plot, is in the front yard. Um, but we do have a backyard. It's got a patio and some, you know, some trees and uh, mostly brick patio. And that's where our dog apparently goes. You know, we open the door. The door to the patio in the backyard is from the master bedroom. And our dog, Edie, small uh, Yorkie slash Maltese, or Morky, goes out and potties out there. And uh, this will tell you how much I care about Edie. I haven't been in the backyard for maybe last spring, right? <laughs> and so maybe I'm exaggerating, but I open the doors, our front doors to the backyard, and lo and behold, there's green everywhere, right? It's, you can no longer see the patio. You can no longer see the bricks, but it's all green. And I look out, and there's these tall plant life, and I'm like, when the trees start growing in our backyard, upon closer examination, they weren't trees, they were weeds. So, do weeds grow that tall? Weeds everywhere, weeds growing out of the, you know, out of the bricks, weeds growing out of um, just everywhere, out of the storage, in the cracks, out of the fence, out to the neighbors, the neighbors' trees coming out, uh, tree branches coming over the fence into our yard, vines and everything, and that overwhelming sense of feeling overwhelmed, like, I don't want to, I immediately close the door, because it's like, it's like when guests are coming over and your house is messy and you don't want to look at the clothes and the papers, stacks of papers and the mess in your house. So what do you do? You just pick that one room in your house, open the door, shove everything in there and close the door. You close the door because you don't have to see it. And if you don't see it, it doesn't exist. And for me, I can't get any work done. I can't concentrate. I can't, it doesn't give me a joyful, happy feeling to see mess and clutter. So when it's hidden away behind a closed door, I feel better, I can get things done. But so I close the door to my bedroom and close the mess out. But last year, I was gardening back there, you know, trying to grow corn and tomatoes. I tried to do pumpkins, it didn't succeed, but it was clean, like there was a nice dirt place the patio had no like weeds or anything like that. It was nice and clean. And I weeded everything. It was perfect, perfect the way I wanted. And then, you know, winter, fall comes, winter comes, and kind of things grow, go dormant. I didn't pay attention to things. And I come back and it's overgrown. And I hadn't done anything, right? hadn't picked any weeds, and what I felt was, it's unstoppable, right? Nature and greenery is unstoppable, and these weeds 
are unstoppable. You know, I asked Walter, like, what are some organic, you know, some organic, like, natural home remedy weed killers, right? Because I didn't want to use the, the thing we will not speak of. And so, yeah, uh, so he's like vinegar, water, you know, some soap and some salt, right? So I mixed it up and, uh, you know, spraying it and stuff. And actually, it was a sunny day when I first started spraying the weeds in, and they kind of, you know, turned brown the next day, and kind of things were shriveling up. The dandelion leaves were kind of, you know, shriveling. But this week, after the rain, uh, this week, I go back there and it's even more lush back there. And I'm like, no! I'm like, Walter, can I borrow your uh, flamethrower? <laughs> can I borrow your torch? I just need to burn these things. Um, but weeds just keep coming and keep coming. And, you know, the trees are getting their leaves and they keep growing, they keep growing. And, and it's just my dog does not know where to go, potty. And, and so I'm cleaning it up. Um, but the story is all to say that I don't have to nurture the vegetation in my backyard for it to grow, right? It's coming, right? In the spring, you, you hear the phrase, May showers, or what is it? April showers bring May flowers, right? In our backyard, April showers and May showers bring June weeds. Right? <laughs> and what else is whatever else is growing back there? Uh, and this is a little bit like what Jesus is talking about. Jesus in Mark chapter four tells parables, and we already went through uh, the first parable. We actually did the Matthew uh, version of the parable of the sower and the seed, where the sower cast out the seed indiscriminately and they all fall on different parts of soil, different kinds of soil. And the message behind that is the soil are our hearts or the hearer's hearts. And what, how you listen or how you receive that word is what type of soil you have. It's either choked out, it's either strangled by weeds or it's scorched by the sun or whatnot. And in each of the gospels, uh, Jesus tells these organic parables. Um, here in Mark, it's a parable of the, um, the sower and the seed, and then the parable of the growing seed, and the parable of the mustard seed. And it's linked to both fruit, like the kingdom of heaven is like the growth of vegetables, the growth of vegetation, the growth of trees, the growth of wheat. Right? And there's fruit. At the end of the season, there's fruit, and we harvest it. Right? The gardener harvests it. But also, there's this connection with the parable itself. It's almost like a William Shakespeare thing, the play within the play. If you've, you know, if you've watched Hamlet, right? Hamlet puts on a play to get the reaction of the king. Did he kill what's and what's and what's and right? And the play is actually a microcosm of the play that the audience is reading itself. And the parable is similar, right? Jesus is telling the parable about teaching, about the word of God, about the kingdom of heaven. And as the disciples, as the followers, as the greater crowd is listening to these stories and these parables, they're actually living it out. They're actually the examples 
the people, the hearers, the soil, right? And so in Mark chapter 4, Jesus says multiple times, he talks about hearing, how the hearer is going to hear. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And then there's also this notion of he tells parables because to disciples, he's given the secrets to the kingdom of God. Secret, right? Or is this some sort of Knights Templar, like secret society, only like, you know, the few know, the few privileged know these secret passageways and, you know, Nicolas Cage is running through with all these codes and matrices and trying to figure things out. Is it that kind of secret, right? This mystery only the privileged know. And I think the connection is, and Mark says that Jesus, you know, at the end of our passage, he said, and Jesus spoke to them, continued to speak to them in parables, and he did not say anything to them except in parables. But to the disciples, he explained everything. Right? To you has been granted the secret of the kingdom. And it's this, I think it's connected, for me it's connected to how are we receiving? How are we hearing the word? Are we coming humbly with good soil, with receptive soil, and saying, teach me, I want to learn. Holy Spirit, come into this place. Right? Change the atmosphere of my heart. Change my life. Transform me. Not me, not my will, but your will be done. And we see this in the disciples. They're willing to be stupid. They're willing to say, I don't know. They're willing to say, Jesus, what did you mean by this? They're willing to ask the questions. And we've been all in, all been in classrooms, right? Where the teacher is like, there's no bad question, right? Raise your hand. Ask a question. And, and the class is better when actually people ask stupid questions or people aren't afraid to ask stupid questions because we all were asking the same, thinking the same question. But sometimes we're afraid to ask the question because we think we don't want to look dumb. We think we're asking the wrong question. But you'll never, this is what I tell my children, you'll never learn unless you ask the question. And this is what the disciples are doing. And this is what it means to be hearers and listeners and disciples of Jesus Christ and of the word is to actually ask the question and be learners in our life. To those who are learners has been granted the secret of the kingdom of heaven. And we see the, this throughout the gospel. Jesus will teach and leave the people hanging, right? But the meat always comes in those who come after the sermon or after that teaching moment and ask and push in further and say, what did you mean by that, right? And it's the same, the play within the play as, as followers hearing and reading the word of God out here and receiving it, when we're left hanging, right, with a Jesus story, what are you going to do with what was just said, with the word of God, with what is spoken, with what, is, what God is saying? Are you going to be like, that was interesting, move on, or that was interesting, and let it kind of seep, let it sink into the soil, let it sprout, and let it take root? And be like, what's that really going to do 
and my life if I let it have its way. Are you with me, church? The kingdom is not a place, the kingdom of God. In Mark and other Gospels, Jesus continually refers to the kingdom of God. Sometimes he says the kingdom of heaven. Those are theologically the exact same thing. The kingdom of God is not a place. It's not a people. Like a, it's not a nation. It's not a city. It's not a locale or a church building. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is God's power and his presence around us in creation and within our lives as his people. Where God, it's where, another way to put that is the kingdom of God, our kingdom of God is where God is present through his spirit, renewing and transforming and healing and sustaining, right? And uplifting and empowering um, us, the people of God, the world, and all of creation. And where God's power is at work and, and reigning and has authority and making a difference, there is the kingdom of God. Amen? And the kingdom is a marvelous thing, and we can't control it. And that's the main gist of these two parables. The kingdom of God is powerful and dynamic and real-time and is moving in our midst, around us, all around. And it's so powerful, but you cannot control it, right? It's untamable. It's indescribable. He put the stars in the sky and called them by name. He is amazing. And where he rules, that's the kingdom of God. And it's indescribable. And there's everything in our life longs for that type of mystery. Everything in our life longs for that type of uncontrollable power. Yet we fear it. We fear it because it requires us to lean into it and trust. Trust it beyond our own ability to control and manipulate the world around us. Dangerous. Uncontrollable. Out of, con out of our control. This is the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus is saying. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A person scatters seeds on the ground. And night and day, whether or not she sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though she does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grape is ripe, she puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. There's two dynamic parables here. And it's about energy, growth, and fruit. And they're distinct from each other. And this first one, is about the growing seed. And the main piece is, she does not know how. Right? It's like the weeds in my backyard. I didn't pay attention to them. I didn't tend to them. I didn't care. It didn't matter whether I existed or not. It didn't matter if I went back there or not. It didn't matter if I was sleeping or not. And this is the case in this parable. It didn't matter 
whether this gardener was sleeping or waking, it grew. The garden grew. All by itself, the soil produced. And this is good news, right? Whatever you're applying to this to in your life, it's good news. Well, for some of us, it may sound like bad news, right? Because if you're like me, I'm very performance-oriented. I, I like to get credit for everything I do. Like if I fold the laundry, I want my wife to give me credit, right? She's like, that's default, man. She can get credit for that. I'm like, I get extra credit for folding the laundry. Ha <laughs> ha. Right? No. Right? It's all about our resumes, or it's all about, you know, gaining recognition. It's all about cause and effect. I put effort into something, I get something out. That's life. That makes sense. Right? I do something, I go to work every day during the week. I want to know that I'm making a difference. That if you took me away, the whole company would fall apart, right? Nothing would go. The household would fall apart. Everything would go to mess if I was gone. We want to know we make a difference. And so in many sense, this is bad news. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm here or not. In the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God's economy, abundance and fruitfulness is going to happen whether or not I'm here or not. And that's, that can be bad news because the theological reality is God doesn't need you to do what God is going to do, right? And if you're a pastor like me, that's humbling, right? If you're in ministry, you know that like one of the best, the most powerful things a mentor said to me is he doesn't need you, right? And we, I used to be in campus ministry, and they used to put out stats in Christian Fellowship, and they used to put these stats out. The campuses where there are no staff, no like fundraising adult staff, where it's just student-led, we're actually growing exponentially faster as compared to the campuses with staff. Right? And that 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 has a way of just you know kind of humbling you, right? Like it really doesn't matter that I'm here, right? In fact, in the places where there aren't, I wasn't, like it thrived and it grew, like my backyard. That's very humbling. On the flip side, it is good news. There's grace. There's a power at work that is much greater than you can imagine. Right? So stop striving. Stop being anxious. Be kind. This is my yoga instructors. Be kind to yourselves. Right? I'm there in my yoga class like, oh, all these ladies around me aren't resting on their mats. I, I, I'm pooped. I need to just lay down. But then I'm like, I can't quit. They're going to show me up. I'm strong. But the more that I strive in yoga, the more tired I get, right? Because my muscles are like, and all the guys are like, this last class I went to, all the women were like doing everything all the way to the end. All the guys were on their back. Like, oh. It's like, what? 
It's because we're so muscle bound and we're like, I can do it, right? It's like, just chill, right? Be kind to yourself. Right? You are where you're at. Be. Right? And this is like the kingdom of heaven. Just be. You don't know how it's going to grow. You don't know how it's happening. But when God is moving, you'll know. Right? Just let it happen. Go ride the wave. The second parable, well, the second thing I was going to say is, um, if you remember John 4, the woman at the well, when he's talking to the disciples afterwards, what does he say? Right? They're complaining because he's talking to a Samaritan woman. Meanwhile, the woman has gone into town to give testimony, give witness to what Jesus has just done. And all the people are now coming to see Jesus. They're like, we want to see for ourselves. And while Jesus is chastising the disciples, he says, stop navel-gazing, stop complaining, look up and look out. And, and you imagine them looking up and the people are coming at that moment, like multitudes. And he talks about Right? You will harvest what you did not sow. Right? You'll reap, you're going to reap what you did not sow. Look up and look out. The harvest is ripe. It's, the fields are white with the harvest. And that's how the kingdom of heaven works. Right? You're, we are going to reap what we didn't even sow. Right? We're going to receive abundant gifts that we didn't even labor for. That's grace, right? Go with the flow. <clears throat> the mustard seed. So what's the difference with this parable of the mustard seed? What's the dynamic here? The dynamic here is the transformation from something tiny and insignificant to something large and significant. Somehow, all the genetic coding and the initial catalytic nutrients needed for a tiny, tiny seed to grow into the tree uh, is in the tiniest of seeds. This is what Jesus is talking about. He picked a seed that was really small, a mustard seed. And you know, if you Google it, you can see pictures of like, it's like a grape nut size, you know, like one of those grape nuts. Really small seed. And it grows up to what Jesus says was one of the largest garden trees. Something small and insignificant somehow leads to something immense. And not only immense, it begins to it care for the creatures around it, right? The birds land. In its limbs, it, co it pr provides protection and safety and cover. The tree grows up and gives life to creatures around it. The dynamic of the kingdom of heaven is one in which small and significant things grow exponentially sign and significantly impact the surroundings in the end. Let's say that again. Small, insignificant things grow up exponentially and have significant impact to its surroundings. Wow. 
small and significant things in our world are usually neglected, right? Small and significant things are marginalized. Small and insignificant things are overlooked. Small and insignificant things are trampled on, covered, hidden, quiet, not popular, right? Yet later in the kingdom economy, the smallest of seeds becomes the greatest of trees. As a kid, we were always drawn during Christmas time to the largest present, right? During Christmas time, we'll have a elephant, well, white elephant gift exchange, right? And the kids will they'll draw their number, they'll be like, what should I pick? What should I pick? What do they go for? The biggest present, right? They pick up the biggest box. Here's the biggest box. Because it's biggest, it must be better, right? But what I learned growing up is there's just cardboard in the middle, right? There's nothing. It's like fake. But it's like actually the smaller gifts in the corner hidden away that has like, you know, the valuable gift. Or most likely, or possibly. And that's what the kingdom of God is like. That's what God's church is like. Right? We know that dynamic. We know about the invisible things. We know about the small voices in the culture around us. Or we should. Jesus, the reason why Jesus died on the cross, right? He didn't go out with this bang. He didn't like come with chariots of angels and say, kingdom of God is about insignificant, small things. And yet, in that is a DNA that when watered by the Holy Spirit, and when the Spirit is moving in God's presence, and God's at reigning, that it grows into something so magnificent that people can do nothing but to be like, God did it. God was in this place. God was here. And look at us, church, renewed. How to grow a church, people. <laughs> How to grow a church. And there's so many philosophies on church growth and church planning, right? In the 80s, the whole church growth, you know, homogenous growth principle. The homogenous growth principle said, hey, go to a suburb, right, in a good building like this, and go after, like, say, right? Go after the same type of people, and you're just going to grow massively. And that's what church planning was built on. And at the time, it was like because people were moving to the suburbs and wanting church, wanting to worship in the church, of course it grew, right? Do music like people like, preach like people like, has pop groups with all the like people, and you're going to grow. That's the homogenous growth principle. The problem comes when, oh, now we're doing urban, multi-ethnic, or ethnic church planning. Oh, just do that. It's your right blow up, right? No. But there are ways that you can grow the church. But you can also look at how Jesus did things, right? Jesus had a few disciples. Jesus chose 12 disciples. He had the three 
He had the larger 40 that were rolling with him, and he had the crowds. But what he focused on, what we see in the Gospels, is Jesus really investing in the few disciples. Right? And then that's the story of Acts, that's the story of the church, is where are those few disciples? It just multiplied. But this kind of discipleship notion, things that start off small, and you really emphasize the DNA. You really emphasize character. You really emphasize the important things. And then you put a little Holy Spirit on it. <coughs> and you put a little humility and people praying together. And people really receiving the word humbly and letting God and God's spirit transform lives. And then telling testimony and witnessing to the change that's going on in our lives and loving each other, like creating space, right? Creating the soil for the spirit and then just, just seeing and witnessing the power of the spirit multiply and multiply. There's so many best practices. There are so many structures, there are so many things, and it's really important. I'm not gonna just say, hey, we get the Holy Spirit, right? But we need to give up more control in the church and in our walk, individual walks with God. We need to learn to let go and let God. We need to let the Spirit move and germinate and grow us. Because the whole point is, we look at the growth and we don't know how it happened. Right? Just like the gardener, I don't know how that happened. Because what that leads to that not knowing, that's the secret of the kingdom. It leads to praise. It leads to getting on our knees and worshiping the God of the universe. Because the reason that we're all in this, the reason why I'm in my call is not for the glory of Pastor Dave, or the glory of renew, right? I know when God does what he's gonna do, everyone will say, wow, glory to God. Surely God was moving. Next month, uh, our staff, Magdia Urio, Erica, are gonna start a series called Fuego. And Fuego is in Spanish, fire. And uh, they're basically going to talk about the Holy Spirit, right? They're going to talk about this mysterious power that's at work in this growing these seeds, growing the mustard seed. And we feel we, uh, together as a staff, we have this sense that, yes, you know, we're structuring things well, we're like being faithful, but like, you know, the John 20, Jesus breathing the Holy Spirit and sending out his disciples. Like God wants to breathe his spirit into this place. We have the bones, we have the flesh, but it's like life and the fire. We need that fire. We need the Pentecost. Second week of June is Pentecost Sunday, right? We need that fire to come and the power to grow us and grow us. So we're like, what is going on in this place? I, can you imagine what would it look like when things grow not just one by one,
like exponentially. When, when yeah, like, the fruit is growing. It's like what weeds must be feeling out there during spring. Weeds are having like a revival, folks. They're like, the Holy Spirit is moving in this place. I get new brothers and sisters and cousins every day. We're dominating this yard. We're dominating this garden. It's like, woo! What it rains and pours, it's weed day, right? Weeds, weeds, weeds. It's so miraculous. Everything, everything I touch, you know? And we, the patient zero, the, the initial weed is like, yes, I have the minus touch. I touch it and it grows. Yes, yes, we're thriving. I have the greatest congregation of weeds in the universe. The greatest of all weeds. I have done it. That's how we're going to be like, right? The people of God, when we're experiencing the spirit of God, move not because one person or a group of people plan it out meticulously and say, this is how you're going to do it to make it grow. But we were like, we prayed, and we received, and we heard, and we loved, and it was planted, and we sowed our seeds, and we threw it out there. Then we went to sleep, and we woke up, and whoa, it's multiplying. People's lives are being changed. The hungry are being fed, right? The unclothed are being clothed, amen? amen. And lives are being changed. And we're being fruitful. I got too excited. <sighs> Breathe. <sighs> Be kind to yourself. Let us stop striving here and being OCD over there. Let us create spaces where we can receive the Holy Spirit. Live life leaning into the delivering hand of God. Personally, in your own life, there are, places, there are places that we've been striving and striving and hitting our head against the wall, trying to solve the situation. Just pray. Pray, Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill our, my family, fill my own heart, and change the things that I cannot change, that I don't have control over. Pray that Jesus would change this place the spirit would fill this place. May your gardens be rich and fruitful. May we in the days to come turn back to God in praise in advance for what he has done and will do and will continue to do. Let's pray God. Thank you so much for your word. May your word be a seed in our hearts. May your spirit nurture Fertilize water. Be the spiritual green thumb that will grow your kingdom in our own hearts and in this church and our communities all around. And give us ears to hear and eyes to see how you're already at work. Your spirit is at work like the wind blowing through trees. Let us recognize that and move together. Jesus.